morning, listeners, and welcome to Mercury, a broadcast of hope. I'm Dr. Rosalind Clark here today with Max O'Brien. It's day 1,597 since we came back on the air. Any news from you, Max? Yes. Due to an incredible lack of foresight by literally everyone involved, we're going to be spending the day rearranging a few people over at Amoria. Okay, I know the backstory behind this, but why don't you fill the listeners in on what's going on? Sure thing. So to give everybody some perspective, the dorms that comprise Amoria are four stories tall, and each floor has about 30 rooms for a total of approximately 120 rooms, give or take. It's not precise because the stairwells and the elevator shaft took up some room and made the number of rooms on each floor inconsistent. The elevator is, of course, non-functional, just like almost every other mechanical device in the world that needs electricity to function or any kind of maintenance to remain in working order. I remember you tried to get it working off of batteries charged by the normal power station windmill, but it didn't work. Yeah, that windmill is great for charging car batteries, which are great for a few creature comforts and a handful of practical uses, but it's not going to power anything big. So when we first got the idea for Amoria, we started renovations on the ground floor and worked our way up, for obvious reasons. It's just easier. And what that meant was that as people started to move in, even if they were only staying temporarily, which is mostly everybody, they moved in on the ground floor. Okay, good setup of the current situation. Now let everybody know what we should have thought of in the first place. As we all know by now, if you're bitten by a zombie on an outer extremity like an arm or a leg, it's possible to amputate that limb and prevent yourself from turning if you get to it fast enough. There aren't a lot of skilled surgeons available who can do this safely, but we've definitely seen a number of people who had it done successfully. And, as I'm sure you're aware, going upstairs is more challenging if you don't have both legs. A quick plug here for what is both my most frequent and the least favorite advice to have to keep giving. Stay out of the tall grass. The vast majority of people we've spoken to with leg amputations said they had to get them because they'd been walking through tall grass and got bitten by a zombie they couldn't see. Yes, it's a huge problem. So, to be more accommodating to those people, we've talked to the people living in Amoria now, and most of them have agreed to move to the upper floors. Gully is going to stay on the ground floor because he's a permanent resident who has some mobility issues of his own. But everybody else, including Sousa, our other permanent resident, has agreed to move. So we'll be helping them with that today. I'm glad everybody was so cooperative about it. It would be easy for some of those folks to say that they'd be moving on soon and that it's not worth it to move upstairs, just have to move out altogether soon. Yeah, for the most part, people over there are really nice. I just wish we could get them to stay. On another note, it's really interesting to see the ways that people are adapting to their amputations. We've seen all kinds of clever prostheses. It's amazing how adaptable people can be. I agree. But prostheses actually aren't a new invention. In fact, before the zombies fell, we were still using some embarrassingly old technological advances on that front. Oh yeah? Like what? So now it's my turn to give some context. In the early 200s BCE, a Roman general named Marcus Sergius lost his right hand and was fitted with an iron hand so he could still use his shield in battle. He had a long military career after that, including being captured and escaping from Hannibal twice. That's some soldier. Yes, but then in the Middle Ages, a thousand years later, 
prosthetic technology was still more or less in the exact same place until the early 16th century when Ambroise Paré introduced a hinged prosthetic hand and a leg with a locking knee joint. Some of those techniques were still in use as recently as the fall of civilization more than 400 years later. What? No significant advancement whatsoever? The major advancements were improvements in surgical techniques so that when the limb was amputated, the remainder of it could be shaped better so as to make the prosthetic more comfortable to wear. One standout was during the American Civil War when James Hanger, a Confederate soldier, invented a longer leg that had hinged knees and ankles. He called it the Hanger Limb. And the company he founded was a leader in the field all the way up to modern times. We really hadn't done enough in this field to help the people who needed it, did we? No. And I think it's because people don't always remember that replacing a lost limb isn't just about the functionality. It's about making the person feel whole again. Just letting someone walk again isn't the same thing as making them feel like a complete human being. The earliest known prosthesis wasn't even an arm or a leg. It was a big toe. A big toe? Get out of here. No, it's true. It's about 3,000 years old and belonged to an Egyptian noblewoman. Our best guess is that she wanted to be able to keep wearing sandals, which were the fashion at the time. Huh. Man, getting perspective on other people's experience is so satisfying. I feel like I know them and the world they live in at least a little better, even if I might not ever have their experience. Well, we're doing what we can here at Amoria. We should have the ground-level rooms available for occupancy by those who need it by the end of today or maybe tomorrow. Sounds good. Ready to wrap this up? Yep, lots of work to do. For Mercury, a broadcast of hope, this has been Max O'Brien and Dr. Rosalind Clark. Take care of each other.